What's up, everybody? This is Keith from the Bronx Lounge. Thanking you for tuning in to today's episode as Cav and I break down all things Yankees baseball and have a great time. Check us out on all social platforms at the Bronx Lounge for daily Yankee content and to join the awesome community we hope to build. We hope you enjoy this episode just as much as we enjoy making it. And without further ado, sit back, relax, and let's talk some Yankees in the Bronx Lounge. I gotta hold down the city, city, New York, 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 pretty like content i guess with a split uh i honestly thought they were gonna lose the series uh i mean game three the way it was going i was really hoping for the win um so it kind of bums me out the way that we lost that game and the way that the series kind of ended um but i mean the two wins in that series i mean those are great wins and those are like wins that you kind of expected the team to have a lot of this year. Like those were like, you know, type of games where the pitching and the hitting kind of just combines well. And, you know, we were able to shut the door, but then the losses were just brutal losses. You know, one of them being in a, you know, and one of the ways that we've had to deal with for now, every single week in a, like for the past couple months now. And then, um, you know, game, game four kind of just, it, it slipped away in a bad way. So, I mean, I feel, I feel good in a way because, you know, Houston being that good of a team, you know, we had a, we've had our, our troubles with Houston, obviously. And, you know, I mean, a series split out of it, it's not it's not the worst. Uh, you kind of stay, you kind of stand pat in the standings, so that doesn't really, doesn't really help you out at all. But, I mean, once again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty fine with a split. I don't know if you are, but I'm pretty, pretty content. Yeah, I'm a little less content with it. Um, just because of like you know how the series played out. I mean, what well, you split two with Houston here, and like you said, you don't really gain anything in the standings. You kind of just tread water. You know, if you were able to take three out of four in this series, which you know the Yankees had opportunity after opportunity yesterday to take three out of four, that could be the start of something for this Yankees team. I mean, you know, you now go on the road. I, I believe Kay said on the broadcast that. 19 of their next 25 games are on the road so you know they start a big road trip here you know if you take three out of four you know from houston maybe that's a jump starter for you you know gain a little bit of momentum you know maybe start playing some better baseball and a split i feel like is just like a, a totally different feel you know you, you didn't lose the series and you know it obviously could have gone a lot worse and there were a couple good wins but they also had an opportunity to win this game on sunday you know they couldn't win the astros continued to give them opportunity after opportunity and the bullpen wasn't good, and offensively they couldn't come up with big hits. So I, I I do feel like I do walk away from this series wanting more, and I feel like being content with this series is almost almost the problem this year. Like I feel like Bader, you know, I don't know if you watched the post game, you know, for Game Four yesterday, but Bader came on and said that you know they're happy with you know, how the game played out on Sunday. You know, they were able to get a lot of guys on base, have some really good at-bats, and even though the, you know, the production wasn't enough for them to win the game, they felt good, and I almost feel like that's the problem that this Yankee team has. 
So I don't feel as content about the four-game split, especially because you go into Sunday with a chance to win, and you know you're in position to win that game in a, in a lot of different ways. But we are having a totally different conversation if they lose this series to Houston, especially after you know the Baltimore and Tampa series prior to this. So again, not not a terrible feeling, but not not a great feeling to split this series either. I wouldn't say con- I would I wouldn't say content. I would just say. I would say, like, my expectations were so low for the series to the point where I didn't really expect the split. So I guess I was, like, I was just, I was okay to at least get the split. I, I'm pretty annoyed the way that they lost 2-4. Um, and Because, I mean, game two, we're going right back to another conversation that we're going to have to have again. And it's aggravating. Um, you know, game four, like, you know, way too many opportunities left on base, you know very questionable whether or not you left Wandy in a little too long there's, there's there's a lot of factors that go into the losses and but I mean the wins the wins look good and if and if if I mean if they if really if they get momentum off of that if they really think that you know shit like that where you know hit, hit being able to string along hits and and you know pitching's able to dial down just a little bit I mean if that's what really gives them momentum if they can actually start building off that I mean that's kind of what I'm looking forward to so it's it's I don't know it can go both ways with how you feel about the series but um overall I think a split was it was fine like I don't know I mean and and there are there are good things that come out of this series I mean you have Nestor return he looks really good we'll talk about that you know you you do have some really good offensive performances from guys there there are some good things that that came out of the series but just looking at just like the grand scheme of, you know, this baseball season and, you know, where they are in the standings and what this could have meant for, you know, the wild card chase and, you know, trying to jump back in, taking three out of four against Houston would have been a really big stepping stone of doing that. And you had an opportunity to do it. Coming into the series, you know, we didn't think that they were going to, you know, take three out of four from Houston. But when, you know, but hindsight's twenty twenty, and, you know, you get to Sunday morning, you know, they've taken two or three and... You know, then when you watch the game on Sunday, they had plenty of opportunities to go ahead and take three out of four. So, definitely, you know, a weird series to think about from from you know from the perspective of you know where the team's at. I don't know if this really moves the needle for anybody, and you know, in a bad or a good way. So it's definitely like a weird series to to think about because split because splits are just weird in general. I mean, you you don't come you know, there's not a winner in this series. You don't come away feeling like you know you did enough to win the series, but you also didn't do enough to lose it. So it, it splits are just weird in general. Um, but let's jump into some quick housekeeping before we get into some of the games and some of the big talking points that I want to have in within each game. Nestor returns. We'll talk more about that in game three. Um, Rizzo hits the IL, says he's played through the uh, post con- uh, post-concussion syndrome for two-plus months. Um, if you remember, bullshit. Yeah, um, I don't know what's going on. This could be a phantom. This could be real, but we know that he hasn't been what he, what Anthony Rizzo is since that collision with Fernando Tatis. We know he took a couple days off in Seattle right after that series, so maybe he was dealing with, with a concussion. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe you know there is something going on. Maybe there's not. We know the Yankees are you know open to phantom Island guys when you know they feel like they could give them a break and see if you know they can try to figure stuff out you know, with a little IL stint. I don't know what it is, but at the end of the day, Rizzo is on the IL right now. We'll see 
what happens. Pretty aggravating. Um, Pretty aggravating yeah. with that. I mean, like two months straight, the guy looks literally the worst player in baseball, and it's it's obviously linked to what happened. And you didn't really do anything about it. You you reiterated a hundred times that he's healthy, and all of a sudden now it's 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 lingering back to what happened. I mean, like come on. Like, that's just, it's, it's exactly what's been, what this year is. And, I mean, Rizzo said that, like, they, um, when they were doing some testing in that second MRI testing and, like, you know, what's going on with him, they were saying that, like, his reaction timing's just completely off. Like, that's, yep. it could be a huge reason why he couldn't figure out how to hit a baseball. And, and I mean, like, I don't know. It, it really just shows, like, you know, like, really where, what are you doing? Like, you really weren't concerned or you didn't think that his possible i don't know horrendous performance has to do with the fact that he just got his head like bolted in 10 10 more inches into his neck like you didn't, you didn't think that had anything to do with it like i just don't understand where they were going with that and it, and it literally that just throws them throws their own name back under the dirt because it's just you know they're already they already got a lot going on for them this year and then they're gonna just you know hit us with that it's 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 pretty aggravating yeah, and I mean, it's, I mean, I agree. I think he's obviously, you know, something's going on. I don't think this is a phantom either, but I agree with you. I mean, why, why do you go this long and let him, you know, let him continue to go out there every day when something's obviously wrong? Because he's not producing for you. So what's the point of even having him out there? I don't care if Judge is gone. I don't care when Stanton was gone. I don't care when these guys were banged up. Like he's not producing for you. He hasn't produced for you for two months. So like, what's the point of continuing to throw him out there when you know you know something's wrong? I mean, it's it's kind of it, it's kind of like another situation with with another player that we're going to talk about when it, when you know when we, when we talk about game three. It, it, it it's 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 weird to me that they would you know trot him out there for two months when something's obviously wrong when he's not producing. You know, if he's able to even produce a little bit, you know, and they needed that offense when all the other guys were banged up, I, I can understand it a little bit. But you know, he hasn't been producing. He's been you know one of the worst hitters in the lineup since since that collision with with Tatis. So. It is very odd to me, you know, I agree with you, I don't know why, you know, they didn't do this sooner. And, you know, concussion, post-concussion syndrome and, you know, stuff like this is, is a little bit scary. I mean, this isn't, you know, this isn't, a, you know, a foot injury or, you know, a broken arm. Like, this, the, these kind of things can have, like, long-term effects. So, definitely a little scary, and I, I'm kind of, you know, it kind of confuses me more as to why they would even, you know, continue to let this drag on longer, you know, as long as they did. It's funny, because you... Because when this injury happened back in May, I, you know, we asked, like, are we concerned about it? Is that something we should really, you know, he just got a little, it got into a little bump into. And I was not at all. I was like, nah, he's fine. He'll be fine. Give it a couple days. He's fine. And then you were like, nah, like, this could be something just because of the history of the neck injury. And I guess it shows, I mean, the guy's, what, 34? So, I mean, like, you know. He's kind of up there in age. I mean, you know, this is the type of stuff that would take longer to heal anyway for him. So, I mean, yeah, it's 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 that's just a really un unfortunate circumstance, and uh, also just really once again aggravating the fact that it had to even come down to that. You literally had two months of seeing how bad the guy performed, and you you didn't think anything had to do with what happened. I don't, I just don't understand that. And you yeah. could have gotten, you could have gotten a lot of. Uh, could have gotten that money that you spent on Rodon. You could have spent it on Freddie Freeman, who's having one hell of a year, let me tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good segue. Rodon exits game four with a tight hamstring after giving him two home runs. We'll talk more about it in game four. 
Loisica could return today. Uh, I think it's almost set in stone that he's going to. They optioned Johnny Brito last night right after the game. They haven't made the retroactive move to activate Loisica yet, but everybody is expecting the Brito move to be retroactive to the Loisica move, so we should see Johnny Loisica for the first time this year tonight um, making making his return to the bullpen. That's obviously a big piece. Nick Ramirez was optioned to AAA when Nestor was activated, and it actually kind of got me thinking. I looked at his stats, and we, you know, myself included, have been ragging on Nick Ramirez all year long, but he had an ERA under three for the Yankees in the bullpen in his time uh, this year, so definitely interesting to see that Ramirez actually by the numbers was pretty solid for the New York Yankees, but nonetheless, he is triple A bound. Nestor obviously reactivated onto the roster, and All that's right, going to well, really wrap uh, it up. There's your, there's your trade deadline. There it is. Yeah, there it is. N- Nestor and Luazica, there's your trade deadline. So, there, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you want your pieces and you want to win, then there you go. There's your trade deadline. That's what we've, that's what we've been, that's what our our momentum is is shifting towards is Nestor and Weisinga. So let's let's see what happens there. Yeah, I mean, it, you 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 say it jokingly, but I mean, we know that they've had that mindset in the past with guys coming back from injury, and they didn't necessarily come out and say that this year. But you know that they were yeah, thinking that. You know, they kind of did. Cashman Cashman brought it up. Yeah, I mean, you know that that is part of their plan. You know, to get those guys back. Yeah, I I, just, I don't understand where where they're going with that. It's so great to me. And I mean, the Wisek is like, he's definitely, he's definitely a dog in the pen, but that doesn't really uh, shift any needle. No, I mean, it, it, it doesn't because like, again, I mean, maybe it does though, because I mean, we'll talk about game four a little bit more, but maybe the Yankees win this game, you know, if they have Lewiska and they don't bring in Wandy, like, like maybe it does, oh, but it is, but it is hard. It is hard to think that one guy in the bullpen is going to solve all of the other problems that they have because it just it just won't happen. Um, but at the same time, I mean, now thinking about that back three in the bullpen of play, low, and King, like if King can really start piecing it together, oh man, that's actually like it's a pretty good three right there. Yeah, I mean, no, it definitely is. It, it, I mean, if if those guys are on. You know, if you get five or six innings out of your starter and you're in a position, you know, where you have the lead, you know, that can be shut down. You know, you yeah. can you could be in a position where, you know, in a playoff game, you know, if if Cole goes six innings and gives up one run and you're up three to one going into the seventh, you can feel confident that, you know, seven, eight, nine can get it done and you can win that game three to one. So, I mean, I agree. I, I, I think Lua Isaga is, is a really big piece to get back, but it is it is hard to like look at like a, a bullpen guy. And not even a closer, just a bullpen guy coming, you know, coming back from injury, and you know everybody being like, okay, well, this is this is what saves the season because it's just really hard to talk about bullpen guys like that. They just don't have, you know, one single bullpen guy doesn't have the effect on a team that that other guys do. Like, I, like I feel like the bullpen is like more of a collected effort, you know. So, yeah. so it is tough. But before we jump into the games, the Yankees are four and a half back now in the wild card race. Boston's five back, and the Angels, who have lost six straight, are seven back. Oh. Seattle, Seattle has jumped the New York Yankees. They're two and a half back. Toronto continues to win. They put up a big number against the Red Sox yesterday um, at Fenway. So the Yankees now sit at four and a half back. We talked about this a little bit on the last couple of episodes. You know how confident we are that you know the playoffs are still you know, in play for the Yankees. And obviously they are mathematically, they're only four and a half out, but they split the series with Houston. They lose another game in the wild card. Seattle now jumps them. So now they have to jump Seattle just to, you know, just to be the first team, you know, looking in. 
does that change anything for you or do you still kind of feel like they're like in the same spot that they were when they were three and a half back and Seattle was, you know, behind them? Um, oh, I'm taking a peek myself just to kind of get a clear. Okay. Um, no, because you, you only being half game up with Boston. Um, I don't know. I feel like with this pace, I feel like the angels are kind of, kind of just sub themselves out of this. I don't know. I feel like the three and a half lead of that. Ah, I don't know. I don't feel great. I feel like Seattle jumping you really, really kind of throws everything into a jeopardy. And unless I, I feel like Toronto would be like one of the bigger, one of like the bigger um, chances of just going on a pretty big skid. But I mean, Houston and Tampa Bay, I don't see them slowing. I don't know. I don't really think, uh, not going to lie, not good. Not good. Um, you know, Seattle's not a bad team. They just, they were kind of like us, just started off really underwhelming and then you know they're kind of finding their strides a little bit and that's kind of you know concerning they got a they got a much much better rounded out team than we do i i I don't know i don't really feel good not gonna lie yeah i mean tampa bay is 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 the is the first team in the wild card and you're not you're not catching them it's just i mean it, it it just doesn't look like it's in the cards houston you know you just played a you know a four game set with them. You split, but you know, do you feel you know good about going up against Houston right now? Like not necessarily. Toronto is playing really good baseball as of late. They put up thirteen runs at Fenway yesterday to to win the series. I don't know that that team is scary. If if some of those guys work, I mean, if Manoa and Gossman at the top of that rotation, you know, are good and the offensive guys click, I mean, that team is really scary. And I mean, you did kind of get lucky because the Angels are you know taking a nosedive right now, losing six straight after <laughs> buying at the deadline and saying they weren't going to trade Shohei. But, I mean, Boston, I don't think Boston's going to be going away. Like, I really don't. I, I mean, they had a rough weekend at home against Toronto this weekend, but I don't think Boston's going away. And so you're you're now, like, in a position where this was a big weekend for the Yankees, especially when you take two out of three to start the four-game series because you could have gained another game on Houston. You get yourself, you inch yourself a little bit closer to Toronto for that third wild card spot, and you know, I think I believe they had the tiebreaker over Seattle, so I think they would Seattle wouldn't have jumped them. So I mean, just even looking at at the at the wild card picture visually, if they were able to win that game yesterday, you're above Seattle. You're the first team looking in on the wild card. You're now two and a half out of the wild card, and. So now, as opposed to that, they're four and a half out. They have to jump Seattle just to get back into the picture here. So, I mean, it it really, you know, you asked me the question, you know, if if there's, you know, really a shot that they don't make the playoffs. And with every single series that they continue to just still tread water, there is a chance because Toronto's playing good, Seattle's playing well. Like, if these teams start to play well, treading water's not going to be enough. It's just not. Uh, Yeah, this is the type of season where... It's literally going to come down to like the last week or two to determine what what happens, and it sucks. I hate that. It's exactly how 2021 was, and that was kind of like a heart attack and a half. So I was, you know, that's great. I'm. I don't know. I really. I don't even know what to expect at this point. I feel like this is just. It's going to just be a back and forth swing the entire time, and I don't know. I, I really don't. Well, how was Chicago doing ever since they became legit buyers and not giving up Belly? Chicago has been uh, has been good. Uh, Are I they? think I think yeah. they're I think they're going on a little bit of a streak now. They're in the wild card now. They've jumped Cincinnati and Miami. Yep, wow. they jumped Cincinnati and Miami. I'm looking at the National League wild card right now, 
and they are in oh, the Oh, so NBA. they're only like, dude, they're only like probably like a game out of first place then. If I look at the NL Central, they are a game and a half out of wow. Milwaukee. So, so they're in it. They're they're in it for for the division too. So, I mean, it, th- that is funny. Like we will look at the Angels who bought. They're taking a nosedive. The Cubs were another team that was expect was expected to sell. They buy, and they're getting hot. So, yeah. All right, let's jump into these games here. We'll start with Game One. The Yankees win a close one, four to three. Clark Schmidt has a really good start. Stanton homers again. McKinney goes back to back with them, and the bullpen shuts it down after Anthony Volpe gets a big RBI single in the sixth, I believe. Yes, the bottom of the sixth to take the 4-3 lead. The bullpen then shuts it down. They use the big guys in the pen. Like you were talking about uh, with the bullpen a couple of minutes ago, they go to the big guys in a close one here. They get the one-run lead in the sixth, and 7-8-9, the bullpen shuts it down. So this was a really good win for the Yankees and a big moment for Volpe with you know a big hit they get a couple of home runs early and Clark looked good again yeah it was cool Stanton was on his little Stanton was on a streak for this one um and I thought that was kind of that was kinda, I thought I honestly had my hopes up for that being the start of something but um I'm gonna be honest with you man and I'm gonna talk I'm honestly gonna probably bring it up again at one point throughout one of these other games um Those, I don't know. I feel like those are just the games that like they've expected all year round from them. Glaber, Glaber's been one of the best offensive pieces for for them this year by far. Um, you didn't really get a whole lot offensively. I mean, you really kind of just got your, you know, you got the two home runs and then the base hit from Volpe. But I don't know. I just games like this. I feel like a huge thing to talk about is how many uh, how many left on base, how many runners they left on base. Um, that's gonna be pretty big. They their scoring opportunities were way too many for you know how much runs they given up or how much runs they uh, how many runs they scored. But yeah, I mean that was a cool game. I don't not really much to talk about right there. Um, I don't know. That was that was pretty cool. Uh, Kyle Tucker kind of owned you. Wandy's had a weird stretch. I'm not really a big fan of that. Um, yeah, Wandy did not have a good series. No, he did not. We're gonna talk about Game Four, Wandy. But Clark uh, continues to have another good one. Um, Literally, him and Cole are the only consistent starters. Everyone else is not. And, you know, the next two we'll talk about are, you know, pretty much big, big dives into our uh, into our number two and threes. Yeah, I mean, I don't care what anybody says. Five innings, two runs it, it, consistently from your five guy is good enough. Like, you, like, the Yankees score a couple of runs early. Clark keeps them in the game. And, like, that's that's what you expect from a guy like Clark Schmidt. And, you know, the strikeouts aren't high. He only had four. You know, he, he only threw 82 pitches. You know, maybe you'd like to get one more inning out of him. But, like, at the end of the day, like, Clark Schmidt is doing his job. And, you know, he continues to do it. This Houston offense is a, is a good offense. We know that. And, you know, he set the tone for the series. You know, he came out. Christian Javier gave up a couple, you know, home runs early. And, you know, so he didn't set the tone for Houston. And, and Clark Schmidt set the tone for the Yankees. I mean, you know put them in a position to win this game. You know, they they hit the, the back-to-back homers with McKinney and Stanton, and, and Clark shuts the door. He's able to keep the lead, you know, through five. It's three to two through five because of Clark Schmidt. You know, the offense gets a couple of runs, and Clark's able to shut it down. And then, obviously, you know, you just talked about it, and, you know, Wandy gives up the lead. And then Volpe, you know, with the RBI single. And then after that, King Kingley Holmes shut it down. Absolutely shut it down. And... 
you know, we've said this, we've said this a couple, you know, a lot, you know, over, you know, the last couple of podcasts, but right now this is the formula for the Yankees. They score a couple runs early, they get a solid start, and they hope that when, when the starter hands the ball to the bullpen, they have a lead where, you know, the back end guys of this bullpen can shut it down. And that's exactly what they did. And that's not, you know, that's not a light task against, you know, this Houston Astros team. So I did really think that game one was a good win and a really good way to start off the series, but it didn't really carry into game two. And the really, really the only reason for that is because of the guy who was on the mound and it's Luis Severino and another three run first inning for him. Once again, you know, after one inning, it just feels like it's over. You, you like you, you, you know when Luis Severino goes out there. Right now, it's just not happening for him. The offense gives is able to score a couple runs throughout the game, but you, you give up three runs in the first inning. The Yankees score three for the whole game. You know when you give up runs like that in the first inning, the Yankees just don't have the offensive firepower right now to bounce back from that. And Severino sucks again. If there were no injuries. There's no way he'd be making starts for this team still right now, but there is, and he continues to throw out. He continues to go out there and throw, and he continues to give the Yankees absolutely no chance to win ball games. I've never actually seen, I've never actually like witnessed. Um, I mean, aside from like Alec Manoa, really, I've never actually witnessed like an MLB pitcher just like drop off that bad. And I just, I don't know what to do with, <clears throat> I don't know what to do with a guy like Severino, like. I don't know if you, I don't know if you just either like send him down like he did to Manoa and tell him to figure it the hell out, or if you cut him, because I mean you keep doing this and you're just gonna blow, you're just gonna just sell the games pretty much. Like you're just gonna be like, all right, well, this one's not gonna be a win, so let's see what Severino's got and let's see if he could figure it out today. Like that's just, I feel like that's just what these games that he started for have been and. I don't. I don't know what to do with him. I'm not gonna lie. I don't know whether or not we should send him down, or if if, if we should just get rid of him. And I'm on. I'm leaning more toward. And I love the guy, but I'm leaning more towards the getting rid of him, just because. I don't know the injuries that he that he provides every year, and then you know, doesn't and then just does this when he comes back from the only time he's he's provided for us. I mean, it's just that's just not. I don't know. That's not cool. It's not 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 fair. I guess. Not fair as a fan. Um, I don't really know what to do with him. I'm I'm pretty conflicted with this guy. Not gonna lie. I mean, the guy's got a seven seven four ERA in the year. I mean, his ERA is almost at eight now. Like yeah. it, it continues to climb. It it, it it every single start compounds the last one. Every single start, there's no there's no change from from the prior start. I mean, Luis Severino. In the Yankees rotation, who makes starts every five days, has an ERA almost at eight. Almost at eight. I mean, and, and I and I called for Brito, and Brito, the, the last two appearances have not been good for him. He gave up a couple of home runs against Tampa Bay, and then he came in yesterday out of the bullpen when Rodon got hurt, and he couldn't find the strike zone. So Brito is obviously not the answer. They're not gonna they're not gonna go to Brito and you know, take Severino's spot in the rotation with Brito because Brito's not consistent enough. But, I mean, a guy with a 7-7-4 ERA who continues to not show any flashes of getting back on track, something has to give here. I mean, if you just look at, his, you know, his starts since the, the first Baltimore start, 
Seven earned runs, one earned run, three earned runs, nine earned runs, and five earned runs. I mean, he he's not giving you a chance other other than that one start against the Angels when you know. And we talked about that. I didn't think he looked good in that start. I thought he got lucky. So like a seven seven four ERA. Like think about that. How how does he continue to you know make starts for this Yankees team? A seven seven four ERA. He's not giving you an opportunity to be in these games when he makes starts. It, it's it's crazy, and they keep trotting him out there. And, you know, it, you expected it. You knew. Like, they won the game on Thursday night with Clark Schmidt, and coming into the game on Friday night, you knew that this was going to be a loss. You just did. You knew Severino was not going to be able to find it. They were going to go down early. The offense was going to, you know, not put up to, uh, enough of a fight. And Severino's incompetence was going was gonna to cause them to lose this game. And after a really nice big win on Thursday, you knew that we were going to go into Saturday with a 1-1 series and it shouldn't be that way like it just shouldn't you should feel like you at least have an opportunity to win these games and with Severino it just doesn't feel like that right now like not even a little bit it's gonna be a real low blow when if they do DFA him because they literally had a trade offer for the guy and I mean if he's if he's gonna if he's gonna do this or if they like if he's just gonna keep doing this for the rest of the year uh, unless they DFA him I mean, then, like, what was the point of even keeping him? Because, uh, Ka- I mean, what reports say is that Howe is the reason why that the team is still together in the way it is. Which I don't I don't even understand at this point why he's getting involved, because the guy clearly just doesn't fucking watch this team or something. I don't know. The whole scheme of that makes no sense. But, yeah, I, I don't understand Severino whatsoever. And he just he's flat out leaving meatballs over the strike zone, getting whacked around and he just looks bad there's literally there's there's nothing around it he literally is the worst pitcher in baseball right now so i mean and it's it's tough because you look at the bullpen because i i really don't think they're going to dfa him to be honest with you so i i try to see where they're going to throw him and if they if they're going to take him out of the rotation they're going to put him in the bullpen but with nestor cortez coming back and with loisaga coming off the il today they got they optioned nick ramirez they just optioned Johnny Brito, and last week they optioned Ron Marinaccio. So really, the only guy in the bullpen that you might even consider getting rid of to put to to, to open up a spot for Severino is Albert Abreu. But Abreu's out of options, and they like Abreu, and he gives them length. And to be honest with you, I feel better about Abreu coming out of the bullpen right now than I do Severino. So like, is there even is there even a spot for him? <clears throat> is there even a spot for him? Like, even if they wanted to do that. The only real option in the bullpen right now to get rid of is Abreu, but he's got no options. You're going to have to DFA him. And, like, in in a three-run game, in the, you know, in the fifth inning, when, you know, you're still trying to feel like you have a shot and trying to get a couple of innings of length out of a guy out of the bullpen, who would you rather see right now, like Abreu or Severino? Because for me, it's Abreu. So, like, I, like, I don't think they're going to DFA him just because I think it's just such a bad optic and a bad look and the Yankees don't make moves like that. But, like... Is there like I don't even think there's a spot for him in the bullpen right now. Like they're not gonna they're not gonna send anybody else down. They're not gonna send down Middleton. He's looked good so far. They just they just acquired him. The the other guys at the back end, of course they're not gonna they're of course they're not gonna make a you know a, a roster move with those guys. So really it's only Abreu, and I'm picking Abreu over Severino right now. I just am. Is there even any guys that you'd have for option like an option as an opener? Is Abreu your only one? I mean like not that yeah, obviously you're not gonna throw fucking Michael. I mean Michael King was a former starter. 
Yeah, I mean, King can give you some length, he can give you a couple of innings, but I feel like at this point he's too much of a high leverage guy for them that they wouldn't even consider starting him early because then you lose him for, you know, a bigger spot later. I think an opener has now, to be a guy that is not now, a high what about leverage like, guy. What about, like, yeah, like, what about, like, like a Tommy or, like, a like even, like, a Kenyon? Because, I mean, they did that shit with Chad Green all the time. Like, Chad Green was always their opener. Well, I mean, Middleton, I guess... I could see. I couldn't see Canely. Canely's to me is still one of their back end guys. Like Canely comes in in the eighth inning. He just does. Like to me, so, so to me, I don't Ian think Hamilton. they're gonna. Ian Hamilton's also another option, and obviously you're not gonna get rid of Ian Hamilton either. So like yeah. it really, when you look at the bullpen right now, like a week ago there was options. Like obviously Nick Ramirez could have been an option. Brito, you knew Brito wasn't sticking around in the bullpen, and Marinaccio wasn't good. So like you know before they sent down Marinaccio. You know, you could have looked at all three of those guys and been like, you know what? I could see, you know, them kicking one of those guys down to the minor leagues to open up a spot for Severino to hope that he figures it out in the bullpen. But with all three of those guys gone, I, I just, I don't see it. I, I, I don't, see, I don't see it. They've obviously shown that they like Abreu because they continue, even when he struggles, to keep him around because he's got no options and they're worried that somebody's going to scoop him up if they try to pass him through waivers. And they did it once. Somebody somebody scooped him up. They were able to get him back, and they haven't touched him, you know, roster-wise since. So I just don't know, like, even if they wanted to, like, if they could put him into the bullpen. And the, the reason that I bring this up is because it worries me that we're going to continue to see him make starts because they don't feel like they have another option. I, 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 like, we both agree that we don't think that he's going to get DFA'd. And if we don't see a, a lane for him to go to the bullpen, what else, where does that leave him? That leaves him continuing to make starts every five days in the rotation. Yeah, it's actually funny. I'm, I'm, I don't really know why I'm bringing this up, but Luis Severino is actually now the fifth guy in the rotation. He's no longer number number four. Clark Schmidt's number four. So congratulations, Clark Schmidt, I guess. But yeah, I, I don't understand what they're going to do with that. It kind of is annoying. I was so huge on Sevy too. He's not good. And uh, yeah, I don't. I really don't know what road they can go with. They can go down. And I feel. I honestly, I feel like the road they will go down is. They're just going to keep him around and see if he can figure it out. And that's going to just, just waste away the season. Unless he does. Unless he does figure it out. But I, the confidence I have, very, very slim. Very, very slim. All right. Game three. Really nice win for the Yanks. They went 3-1. Really good at bats early in the game against Verlander. They were able to get his pitch count up. He had um, a bleeding knuckle early in the game that I think messed him up a little bit. Yankees were able to have some really good at bats. I think the pitch count was around 40 after two for him. So that's kind of what you want to do against a guy like Verlander. You want to get him out of the game as early as possible. And how do you do that? By getting his pitch count up because you know that there's a limit for him. So they, they had good at-bats, and Nestor was absolutely nasty in this game. The fastball was absolutely working. Obviously, this is his first start back from injury. We talked when, you know, I remember the the start in Seattle right before he went on the IL. And we came on, you know, we came on and talked about his start and you know, it just looked like there was no zip on his pitches. You know, he wasn't able to control them. You know, the, the, the Nestor that we had seen prior just wasn't there. And it was obvious. Like, visibly, it was obvious. He was back in this one. I mean, he made one mistake with, you know, a cutter over the zone, Altuve. Altuve hit it out. But other than that, he was pretty much perfect in this game. I mean, eight strikeouts in four innings. The fastball was working. The slider was working. Besides that one cutter to Altuve, the cutter was working. This was a really encouraging start for Nestor. A really, really encouraging start for Nestor. And it's really good to see him pitch like this, especially with, you know, the way Severino's been pitching. It's it's good to see a guy come off the I.L. and, you know, feel like, you know, I feel like we, you know, all the confidence in Nestor has been rejuvenated for, you know, this Yankees fan base. Yeah, uh, I'm going to also give a big hats off to the entire pitching staff for this game. 
Um, Nestor, like you said, shut down and was nasty. Um, and then Ian Hamilton, Tommy Canley, Mike Kang, and Clay, they sh absolutely shut the door in a, in a two-run lead. And, I mean, you know, that's, I don't know, that's a game where the, the like, the domination just set in. Uh, I feel like the pitching all year has been, has, has been one of our better strong suits, you know. They get, they get in their weird stretches here and there, but if it wasn't for the pitching, some of these games, like, seriously, like, you know. Who knows what could have happened? Um, but yeah, that's that's really actually like encouraging to see Nestor just come come straight off the IL and do that because, I've, uh, in general, I feel like this year with uh, the starters have this have just been really bad this year. Not gonna lie, um, and you know it's finally it's it's good to see that Nestor has had a pretty underwhelming season before that IL stint too. Like he wasn't really just all there, and you know it's good. To, it it is it's just it's just good to see that. And I mean, once again, the bullpen, I. I I mean, Clay Holmes and Clay Holmes and King. I feel like have, like let's see. So Clay Holmes since June twenty fourth has a a point seven five ERA uh, with fourteen with seven saves and fourteen strikeouts. That's um that's twelve innings. Yeah. So the past twelve innings pitched, he's only given up one run. Yeah. So that's, I mean, he's yeah. been good, and we talked about that. He's been he's been really good. And I think, yeah, I think Clay's kind of solidified back into that closer role. And King, King since July 1st, uh, 2-0 and with a 2-8-7. So, I mean, you know, King, King in 16 innings pitched with, with five earned runs. You know, not, not, not too bad. So, I mean, those guys really holding their own the past, the past month. So, that's, that's pretty good. Um, but yeah, that, that game all around, really good, really cool to see. Um, Glaber, uh, Glaber once again, I, I think offensively huge um and what was that other run out it was the uh yeah jake bowers jake bowers as well also <clears throat> quiet a quiet awesome name going on right now is how good offensively he's been yeah no definitely i mean jumping back to nestor just for a quick second 12 of 14 batters he faced off first pitch strike so he was in command of the zone he was you know he was in command of every at bat he was doing what he wanted and ian hamilton two great innings his era is under two now on the year so you're right. This was this was a this was a yeah one nine seven I believe it is. Um, this was a really good game for the pitching staff. I mean, again, the recipe to win: get a couple runs, give it to the bullpen with the lead, and you know let the big guys in the back shut it down. But there was one big thing I did want to talk about in this game. We talked a little bit about it off camera um, when we were when we were together. Uh, oh, the, the Stanton, oh, this is the Stanton base running. Um, this is this is very annoying to me, and I've actually since. Since we had our conversation, I've actually kind of switched my my viewpoint a little bit on it. <clears throat> but I want to I want to hear you know what you have to say for anyone who doesn't know you know Stanton on second with two outs, DJ hits a ball into the right center field gap, not fully in the gap. It was a single, but the uh, the right fielder had to run over to the left to get it. It's an option. easy score from second. Yeah. It's an easy score from second base, especially with two outs because with two outs you're going off the crack of the bat. Stanton obviously obviously does not turn on the jets he's jogging around the bases in the home and he gets thrown out easily on a on not a good throw by mauricio dubon in right field and it would have given the yankees the lead so at first when when i saw this and i was talking to you about it i was annoyed at the send i was like if you know that he is not going to turn on the jets then you can't send him there but i i've i've watched it repeatedly because it's it, it really bothers me, and the more and more I see it, we would be killing 
Rojas if he didn't send somebody on that on that play. Like we'd kill him. So I'm not even I'm not mad at the send anymore. I'm annoyed with the John Carlos Stanton situation. I want to let you speak. I want to let you. I want to hear your piece before I really jump in a little bit. But it was a really ugly play for you know a guy that I mean that that should have been a run there for the Yanks. It just should have been. I think it was a bad send. I don't think he, I don't think unless it's a clear to the wall rolling gapper. I I don't think you send you do not send Giancarlo Stanton there whatsoever. I like the dude like visibly. You've came out and said that you don't want him to play the field because of how much you don't want him hurt. You, you know, like, take him out 85% of the time he gets on base. You know, like, it, it like, you know, you, like, you know, you know he's not a good, like, you know what he is. Like, you know, God forbid he, he takes too long of a stride and, and his hamstring's gone. Like, you know, that's just a bad scent. Like, that's not, I, I personally think that's all in Luis Rojas. Now, you don't think we'd be killing him if he didn't send him? No, not John Carlos Stanton. Me at least. I'm no. No, I mean, I mean Rojas. Do you think? Do you think we'd be no, killing yeah, Rojas? No, if no, he didn't send him? I, I personally wouldn't. know. I would. I would be more than content with him not sending him there. There's no. I just think he's like a guy. He's like a guy like, he's like he's like Yasmani Grandal. Like you gonna send Yasmani Grandal on something like that? Like no. Like I don't. I don't. No, I don't think so. Now, like. I mean, kind of think like kind of think of the play in my head. Like, I don't know. It's so tempting to to just you know like that is like that's a scoreable play. I just don't. I don't know. I don't think with Stan you can. I just don't think you can. Especially with the way that they literally they they bubble wrap him all year. You're like you know that just doesn't make sense. And God forbid if you have to slide into that play and literally like cost of the year. I mean, like what are you gonna do there? We talked. We talked right at the beginning when we did the uh, when we did the housekeeping about Rizzo, and I said there was another player in this kind of situation. I was talking exactly about this. If if he can't play, if he can't run, if he can't score on that ball, don't fucking play him. Don't play him. Yeah. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. If you if you are going to jog around the bases because you don't want to push it because you're so fragile, and you feel like even pu- even running running is going to put you on the IL then you shouldn't be playing. You shouldn't be playing right field on Sunday. You shouldn't be DHing because if you can't run the bases, I don't care if you play the outfield, but when you DH, you have to run the bases. That, against the Houston Astros, in a close game early in that game, uh, you know, in a 1-1 tie, you need to score on that ball. I get that, you know, if you, as the third base coach in Rojas, know that he's not going to be running, maybe you don't send him. And that's fine. If you, I, I, I don't necessarily even hate your take, but I'm just so fed up with these guys going out there and playing when they when they don't have it when like when they don't have it like Rizzo you're hurting the team by going out there and playing hurt you're hurting them because you're not producing and you're in the three hole every day striking out in big spots not producing anything Stanton DJ hits a ball into right center field with two outs you're running on the crack of the bat you should have walked to home plate walked. That's how easy that ball is to score on. And is it necessarily Stanton's fault that he's so injury prone? No. But I'm just so sick of everybody being so fragile on this team that simple plays like that are not simple with this team. And for me, it's like you have to send the guy there. It's a 1-1 game. 
that ball is an easy scoring play, an easy scoring play. You have to send him, and I'm just so like like if if you can't if you can't run to home there, if like if you can't score there, then you shouldn't be playing. Just get him out of the lineup, put him on the IL, and get somebody else in there that is is, is going to be able to score because it's re- like it, it, I mean it's not like Stanton does anything else for this team. He either hits a home run or he's useless in every other factor of the game. He you know is. Feel, you know what I feel like? What's been one of the most annoying, aside from like the the bad Severino starts and you know like blips of that, but I feel like one of the most annoying things this year have been how bad and even like past years, just how bad the base running is. Like we do not have we do not have any base runners. Like Stanton's not running. Rizzo <clears throat> Rizzo's not running. I mean, you have like Judge can, but you know, obviously with what's going on, Judge Judge doesn't run, DJ doesn't run, fucking Jake Bowers doesn't run, Higashioka's not running. You know, like you got Volpe and you got and you got Bader who can give you some speed, and you know, Glaber Torres has his flashes on the base pass, but you know, every like every single now and then, one of them's gonna just decide to go to third on a ground ball to shortstop. Like you know, like that's just that's what like the base running's so bad, and I don't understand like. Such a team so low with on base percentage, like literally one of the, like the last in the league with the on base percentage, and yet when they do get on, just completely waste the opportunity, dude. Like, why are we watching that? Seriously, like, why? Why do we have to be subject to watching that? Uh, and uh, I don't know. That's where I mean, I don't know. That's that's why they didn't they didn't sign Bryce Harper because of their concerns with him. And and speaking of Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper's out there running his ass off with a full metal brace on his arm like I, I, I'm at the Thank point you, like, Brian. Like, Stanton doesn't do anything else for this team except hit a home run and, you know, every now and then and I'm going to be honest that's with you. bad. he doesn't yeah, yeah. move guys over he doesn't do anything productive offensively except for when he gets a hold of a ball you can't play him in the outfield he can't run the bases why is he, why is he playing? I don't get it yeah, I just I'm, don't get it yeah, it, it, it infuriated me I'm going to be honest with you I'm really starting to get a little pissed <laughs> off at Stan. And I'm, I'm a Stanton protector, but not—I don't know—not in this stretch. He's, he's really becoming useless. Not gonna lie. Like, I mean, they uh, there was a thing that came out where he homers in every like in every 15 of his at bats. But I mean, like, dude, just get me a base hit and I'm fine with it. Like, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this home run analytics shit. And that's, uh, I don't know. The decline of Stanton's there, and it sucks. It's uh. It's just really, it's just really frustrating. Like, you're not, you're not a good enough team to, to win games, while making mistakes. You have to, you have to, capitalize on every single opportunity that's given to you. And, and, and a, and a tailor made RBI single, with two outs with a guy on second, you need to score. Like, you're not a good enough team to not score there. They were able to, they were able to win this game because the bullpen was so good. But you are not a good enough team to consistently win games. When you don't capitalize on those opportunities, and yeah, and and you brought it up. I'm sorry, you brought it up. Like, like, what if you know, like, what if the offense just went no show that game, and you lost two to one, and that was the and that was your deciding factor. Like, oh my god, season in the trenches, like immediately. Yeah, it, it's it's awful, and it was just very it was just very frustrating to watch <laughs> because yeah. because because you like I, I know Stan's a competitor, and I know Stan wants to you know be doing the right things. But it's just like, for me, it's it's like, then put somebody out there that's going to be able to do it because you're just well, not a also, good enough team. You're just not a good enough feel, team. 
Do you also feel like that, you know, the front office is kind of do the same thing with, you know, like what they do with Boone? Like, they're kind of just telling Stan, hey, like, you know, don't, like, you know, you're not doing this this year or your ass is done. Like, you're not, like, you get hurt again. This is it for you. Like, you know, like are they kind of doing, like, you're limiting yourself. You know, you're not playing, like, we're not going to play in the outfield. You know, like, we're, like, you're running, you're like, even when, even when it's not even on a scoring opportunity, like, scoring opportunity or not, like, Stanton is, is, is waddling to, to the, to the next base. Like, you know, like. Like are they like they're probably sticking a finger right into this to right into this guy's face and like all right, like these are your final moments so you better figure it out. Probably and if it's coming from them, then they're also sticking a middle finger to us too because then the next day they put him in right field and how are we supposed to feel good about staying tracking down balls yeah. in right field the day after we see that? I wanted to, I wanted to make a tweet and and kind of laugh at the fact that wow this is something you'll never ever see ever again is the like the graphic of the defensive alignment and you see Stan in right field and Judge at DH I'm like that's just hysterical like that's you're not gonna like that's not how that works but obviously circumstances you you got to do that but yeah it's it's insane it's absolutely insane yeah and then they put him in right in game four which was a rough game for the Yanks. Rodon leaves with the injury, but he looked awful before he leaves. He threw eight pitches in the first inning and looked like it was going to be a really good start. Right after that, he lost control, um, which is exactly what we've been talking about with him. He couldn't locate the slider, started throwing fastballs in the zone. He left a couple up. Jake Myers and Jordan were able to get to him. Gives up two home runs. Jordan was a three-run homer. He gives up five runs, and then he leaves with the hamstring tightness. But the Yankees fight back in the fourth. Um, the Astros pitching does does every single Astro favor. Bad. Yeah, they do every single favor imaginable to the Yankees offense. Um, the Yankees left, I believe it was 15 15, on? yeah. Yeah, 15 on base, and they walked 12 times. So, I mean, they had ample opportunity. They were able to, you know, score four runs in the fourth and tie the game with all the walks, the hit-by-pitches, Bader with an RBI single, and then some really good at-bats. Volpe had a good at-bat. Judge had a really good at-bat to walk in a run. And, you know, you have momentum. You know, you, you're down 5-1. You tie the game. You know, not a ton of hits, but, you know, you put together good at-bats. And, you know, however you score runs in this league, you score runs. So, you know, so be it. And then Wandy just absolutely doesn't have it. Another screw-run homer for Jake Myers, who turned into Barry Bonds on Sunday at the at the stadium. And then you give up another one to the nine-hitter who's hitting 175 for the Astros in Martin Maldonado. Martin Maldonado. Maldonado. And the game was over at that point. You know it. I mean, the Yankees had one, you know, one big comeback from the, you know, in them offensively. They had it in the fourth to tie the game at five. You knew they weren't going to come all the way back when it when it became nine five. Uh, Wandy with a really bad series. This was a really bad game for him. But the, you know, to me, the real, the real, the real talking point is Rodon. You know, even even after everything that plays out in this game, because once again goes down with an injury. But before that, he doesn't look good. You talked to me about. We're down in the last episode, and I kind of gave him a little bit of slack, and you weren't willing to give him as much slack. And you know, at, to this point, you're pro- you're being proven right because he didn't have it again. It's really tough when you're a two pitch pitcher, and one of your pitches you cannot locate because he's just throwing the fastball in the zone. And if you miss up, especially at Yankee Stadium, these hitters are not going. You know, they're going to produce. They're going to hit the ball out, and you know, he continues to give up home runs. I have a couple of stats. For him, he hasn't pitched a full six innings in any of his starts yet this year. So this guy was supposed to come over and be one B to Garrett Cole. He hasn't pitched a full six innings in any of his starts. I think he's went. I think he's pitched into the fifth inning twice. Um, he's only ha- he only has four strikeouts or less in three of those five starts. Um, he's given up 17 earned runs in 24 and a third innings, and has given up six home runs in five starts. So he- he's giving up more than one home run every single time he goes out there. He's not been good. 
Now he goes out with injury. Uh, Brian Hoke tweeted out yesterday after the game that he's going to get an MRI today. We'll see. I'm kind of expecting an IL stint, to be honest with you. Uh, hamstrings are not a fun thing to deal with. But Rodon, once again, does not put up a good start. And it's definitely starting to become a concern. Yeah, I don't want to say it. <clears throat> but I'm going to. And... The only thing that I, so Rodon historically is injury prone and I didn't really want to bring it up to myself just because I kind of want to not believe it because, you know, we've had to deal with that billions of times where, you know, we sign these guys to huge contracts and then they, they miss half the time because they can't stay healthy. And that's really what I was fearing the most with Carlos and, and that's exactly kind of what happened. And I, I mean, even with this time, he just didn't look good. And I, and I'm, and I really hope that he's not gonna be out for the year because you know who knows what this injury could be hopefully it's just hopefully it just got it tweaked on him and you know he'll be fine but you know if it's one of those things that kind of carries out where it's still it's still an undecided timetable for the next two weeks and then you know kind of in that same situation where he's out for a month and a half it's like you know then it's gonna just turn it's gonna turn into one of those ugly contract looking you know like why did we do this signings and i don't know I'm, I'm hoping that's not the case but yeah i'm another bad start for him um i don't even know what to expect with with him not gonna lie i really don't even when he comes back you know the slider doesn't the slider doesn't did not look there whatsoever um you know like you said like the, after that first inning he really like i was i was pumped back-to-back -back k's and you know one of them looking on the inside corner and then you know just just gets just can't find it he literally can't find it like he'll get into that inning where he just can't find the zone and that's what he's getting into and you know he's also a guy that has a 70 ERA as well like him and Luis Severino you know if 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 Rodon was qualified for a little more starts like him and Severino are the two worst pitchers in the league like that's just, you know that's how it is and I know there's leeway about his back injury and all that, but this is now seven starts, six or seven starts where he's just not been good. You know, like, are you gonna, uh, are you planning on giving him 12 starts? And then you're gonna be like, all right, let's, we're like, I don't, I'm not buying all of it. So I'm a little fed up with Rodon and that, and all that. And I'm trying not to be because, you know, like you said, like him being that 1B guy, you know, being one of those trustworthy guys at the top, like that, like, you know, like that kind of overpowering lefty that he was supposed to be. And it, like, I'm, I'm so for, I'm just, I'm so for all of that, but you're, you haven't shown any bit of it. And it's, that's, that to me is just, it, it just doesn't make sense, man. You paid him the same amount of fucking money as Freddie Freeman. And just, so, so many questions, dude. Yeah, and I mean, the cachet that he has with, you know, being fiery and angry, and that only works when you're good. If, if you're not good, it, it, it gets tiring, and it gets old really quick. And, you know, when Jordan gives up the uh, – when Jordan hits the homer to, to put him up 5-1, you could see him, like, yelling at himself, and it, it just doesn't do anything for you when he continues to struggle. And you're right, it's it's been it's been tough sledding for him. Um, and – I don't know. I guess we'll, you know, get the info on the MRI today, you know, see if they throw him on the IL. Um, you know, once again, another starting pitcher injury. That means, you know, we're probably going to continue to see Severino. So, um, you know, I think I think they did put out 
a stat on the broadcast today that I think since he made, since he came back off the IL, I think he has the fourth worst ERA in baseball. So him and Severino, I mean, you said it, but I mean, it, it's not, it's not dramatic. Like they, they have been two of, you know, the worst pitchers in baseball. Um, and you know, it's really tough to win games when you have two of those guys in your starting rotation. Before we hop off, I did want to touch on Glaber just for a second. Cause we didn't you know give him his flowers, but the last seven days, for Glaber, he's been hot. A 370 batting average, 414 on base percentage, a 593 slugging, and he's one dotting uh, in the OPS category. So, you know, Glaber's been really good for this team. He had a really good day at the plate on Sunday. Hit a couple home runs in this series. Glaber's been really good, but they do start a road trip now. They'll start in Chicago tonight. Uh, three games in Chicago against Tim Anderson. Hopefully he's woken oh. up from his coma. <laughs> oh, um, man, dude. dude Ramirez <laughs> laid the fucking hammer on the guy yeah he did and dude don't square up if you can't hold yourself no, back don't no and then up. and then he starts tweeting after the game and then he takes yeah, a well, tweet dude, down on. yeah he's he, he's he i don't know he he's he's and definitely he's not doing he did not he's not having a good year he is no. not i think he's got one home run i think he has one yeah. he's not having um, a good year yeah but i mean the white Sox are not a great team you go to Chicago for three, day off on Thursday, and then a weekend series in Miami against the Marlins, who are struggling now, even though they've had a, a good year up to this point. So they're three games over 500. So this is definitely a week where you're not playing the cream of the crop, but teams that, you know, at least in the Marlins, that are definitely a little bit scary. And this is a big week for the Yanks because it doesn't get much easier after this. And you can't, like I said at the beginning, you can't continue to just tread water for the rest of the year and hope that every other team in the wild card race falls. Like you need to, you need to start doing something to, you know, to climb up the hill a little bit. I think Chicago, I feel like you need to win this series. I think you need to take two out of three in Chicago um, with Cole and Clark on the mound. I think that's kind of, kind of a must there. And then you got, you got Severino on game three. So we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah. I don't really, uh, who do you think? Who do you think is going to take Rodon's place now that we have? Because I mean, now you're not. Now you, once again, if if Rodon's hurt, now you kind of you're kind of trapped with Severino again. Well, they've obviously shown that Brito is the guy over Vasquez. They continue to bring oh, up Brito, so yeah, I, I would maybe. I guess I would say Brito, even though he hasn't looked good, but it, it's tough because once again, you're bringing another guy into rotation that his numbers are not good, and they, and he hasn't been good of late. Yep, that's. I guess that's what it is. Um, like yeah, so what? Our next home games are until Boston comes into town, and I think that's like one of the first times we see Boston. It'll be like probably the second time or third time, maybe I don't remember. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I my expectations are to win two out of three in Chicago. Check us out on all things social media on all platforms at the Bronx Lounge. Um, We'll be back with you guys on Thursday morning. Um, that'll be an off day for the Yankees, so that'll be a podcast day for us. Um, Cav, I don't know if you have anything else to add. But I sure don't. Nothing. Take two out of three from Chicago. Tim Anderson, you gotta fight him, dude. Fight him. Check us out all things social media at the Bronx Lounge. We'll be back with you guys on Thursday. Cav and Keith signing off. This is the Bronx Lounge, and let's go 